what Bible to get, let me give you a couple quick suggestions. There's many, many good, trustworthy Bibles, but I use the New American Standard Bible Sundays when I preach. So if you're looking for a translation and you want to follow what I'm preaching on the screen, New American Standard Bible, uh, there's an app for that called, the, the app is called Literal Word. It's free, and it's got the New American Standard Bible on it. Uh, also, a good, trustworthy one is the ESV English Standard Version, the NIV. There's many, many other good translations, but those are the three that we use the most often here at Truvine. New American Standard, or NASB, English Standard Version, or ESV, or New International Version, or NIV. Any of those would be fine. Those aren't the only good ones. I'm just, those are the ones we use the most. Uh, but if you have a Bible in front of you, that would be good because some Sundays there's more than I can throw up on the screen and you want to have stuff. Um, also, uh, we're going to get back into Ephesians today after a one-week break. So let me pray for us and then we're going to get started. Jesus, uh, we love you. We love your word. You have made your word known to us through Jesus Christ, but also in written form in Scripture. And Lord, I ask that as, I, as we go through your word, as we teach through it, as we study it, that you would help us to understand it. I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate Scripture for us so that we can go deep. And Lord, that you would even like specifically speak to certain instances and circumstances that we are living in so that we know how your word instructs us to live. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, I want to start off with a little illustration this morning. What is this? Coffee. Even my kids knew these were coffee beans. I don't know if they're selling these on the street now or what. But uh, So this picture, has anyone ever seen this exact picture before? Okay, good, great. You have, Kervin. Was that because you were at the first service? No, because in the island they this cool. Oh, okay. So this picture actually is a title. It's called Man in the Coffee. And there is a man hidden in these coffee beans. It's a little trick. Now, if you see him, don't say anything. I mean, you can raise your hand when you see him, but don't. Some of you see him. Okay. Don't point him out because I've got to trick everybody. All right. My, my kids could not find the man in the coffee beans, but I promise you there is a man hidden in the coffee beans. Are some of you starting to see him now? Okay. For the... For those of you that don't see him, I'm going to show you where the man in the coffee beans is. He's not up here. He's not up here. He's right here. See him? Oh, I hear. Okay, that sound you're all making, ah, that is the sound of revelation. That is the sound of something that was hidden being revealed. Okay, I didn't, no one at 9 o'clock did that sound, so I didn't get to say this, but that... When I saw this picture, I could not find that man for the life of me. I couldn't find him anywhere. I didn't know if I was looking for the outline of a man or the head of a man. I don't know if this is a very small man who's the size of a coffee bean or if they make the big coffee where he's from, but I don't know why his head is the size of a coffee bean, but I couldn't find him. But then once someone showed him to me, I can't help but see him now. I mean, every time I look at this picture, I go straight to this dude swimming in the coffee beans. I go straight to him. Now, that is an illustration of something that is called revelation. Revelation is the idea that there are things that are hidden in plain sight 
that God hides from us, but then he reveals them to us. In the Bible, a mystery is not something that you can't know. A mystery is something that has been hidden. And then in the Bible, when something that is hidden is shown or disclosed, that's called revelation. Okay. Now, I remember uh, a teacher of mine explaining to me that no matter what page of the Bible you're on, you can find Jesus on that page. Jesus is in every passage. And I had never heard that before. And I didn't know that until I was, I'd been a Christian for a couple of years before I had heard that. And then once they said that, I was like, oh, yeah, he is on every page. And now I can't help. Like he was right there the whole time, right under my nose, on every page of the Bible. I, I didn't necessarily see him on every page. I saw him in the Gospels, obviously. That was easy. I saw him in the New Testament. But I didn't see him in Leviticus or Deuteronomy or Chronicles, you know. But once someone pointed out to me that there Jesus is and all these things, I was like, now I can't help but see him. Just like this guy swimming in the coffee, now that he's been pointed out to me, I can't help but see him. That's how revelation works. There are things that are hidden in plain sight, and when God points to them and shows them to you, all of a sudden you can't help but see them anymore. They click for you. They make an impact on you. Uh, another illustration of Revelation is, uh, this is told by a guy named John Lennox, and he shares a story about his aunt who would bake cakes. And uh, you, she would bake a cake and bring it out of the oven and set it on the table. And he said, you know, you could use your senses. You could smell it, see it, taste it, touch it. And those would all tell you, your senses would tell you that's a chocolate cake. You smell the chocolate, you taste the chocolate, you see it. You know that's a chocolate cake. You could have a scientist, not that you would do this, but you could have a scientist come in and like break down the chemical makeup of the cake and reverse engineer it, and they could tell you what the ingredients of the cake were and how it was made. Maybe even they could figure out the recipe. You could have a, like the Maytag repairman come and look in the oven and take the oven apart, and he could tell you like how the oven works and, and all of those things. But you know... The, the scientist, the repairman, you know what they couldn't tell you? Why she made the cake. No one knew why she made the cake until she reveals it. Until she shares her motive. So Revelation in the Bible, and I'm not talking about the book of Revelation, although that is part of this, but I'm talking about the bigger concept of God's revelation is his self-disclosure about himself to the world. Um, it's, we only know about God what he chooses to tell us. There is no science experiment. There is no mechanical engineering. There is no uh, sequence or process that we can go through that's going to tell us anything about God that God does not reveal to us. And the idea of revelation is all through the Bible. Uh, this is why Jesus taught in parables. If you've ever noticed, when Jesus taught in parables, it's almost like he's trying to sneak things through some people to other people. Like he's trying to almost communicate in, not I wouldn't call, call it code, but he wants to say things to see who gets this. You know, uh, sometimes I do that with humor. I'll, I'll slide a little joke into the sermon and half of the people, it's like, but the other half get it. 
Does that, you know what I'm talking? Okay, Debbie's one of the ones that gets it. Okay, you have to have really dry humor and like, like the office to understand a lot of my jokes, okay? So when Jesus taught in parables, he taught in a way that it was hidden right in plain sight. So for instance, Jesus said, he told a parable about not, uh, not receiving the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees. And a lot of the people were like, is he talking about bread? The bread of the Pharisees? What is he talking about? And they misunderstood what he was saying. He was saying their teaching is like yeast that works its way through your entire life and has an impact on your life. Beware of their teaching. So he would slide things in through parables and symbols and metaphors to see who had ears that could hear what he was saying and who had eyes that could see what he was displaying. And that rhymed unintentionally, but it was very smooth. God often hides things in plain sight in order to test and develop our spiritual perception. That's why Jesus taught in parables, and that's why God revealed things through the prophets of the Old Testament. In Amos 3, God says, I don't do anything without first revealing it to my servants, the prophets. Okay, He, he wants to tell us what he is like, and he wants to tell us what he's doing. We think God is this you know, hiding, reclusive, withholding, restricting deity, but in reality, he's been exploding with revelation about himself for all of human history. He's been telling us what he's like. He's told us through Jesus. He's told us through scripture. He's been disclosing what he's like. He's kind of like a person, he is a person who just will not stop talking about themselves, except that when God does it, it's not arrogant, it's actually appropriate because we need to know more about him and he tells us much about him. A.W. Tozer says it this way in the book, The Knowledge of the Holy, anything that God tells us about himself is called an attribute, an attribute of God. So when God tells us that he's good, we click in our head, okay, God is good. When God tells us that he's holy, it clicks in our head, God is holy. And we uh, accumulate this list of attributes about God, his goodness, his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, his loving kindness, his mercy, his compassion, his righteousness, and things like that. So he hides them in plain sight to see who has ears to hear and eyes to see. Uh, have you ever heard that statement or that phrase before? Jesus said it several times in the Gospels. Matthew 13, Jesus says, uh, there will be those that have ears, but they don't hear. Meaning, not, he's not talking about being physically deaf. He's talking about being spiritually deaf. They hear the words Jesus saying, is saying, but they're not really understanding them. He says there will be people that have physical eyes, but they will not see who Jesus truly is. And this idea of having ears that hear, uh, do not hear and eyes that do not see is in Isaiah, it's in the Gospels, it's in Acts, and in all three of those places it says that ears that do not hear and eyes that do not see are the result of a dullness of heart. In all three places, Isaiah, Matthew, Acts, it says that you do not see with your eyes or hear with your ears because your heart is dull. So why does that matter? Because sometimes we know, we will pray, Lord, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. 
But I think the, the better prayer is, Lord, don't let my heart grow dull. Because if my heart isn't dull, my eyes will see, my ears will hear. You understand that the issue is actually not in the eyes and the ears. It's in the dullness of our heart. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. So this concept of revelation is important in the Bible because Christianity is primarily a revelatory experience with God. I want to read uh, Ephesians 3, 1 through 7. This is the passage we're looking at today. We're going to do this a little differently than a normal Sunday. We're just going to look at half of a sentence today. We're going to read seven verses, but we're going to look at half of one sentence. Paul writes this, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery. Okay, this is the part we're going to look at. By revelation there was made known to me the mystery. As I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Okay, really quickly. Again, I said this earlier, but a mystery in the Bible is not the way we understand mystery, like a Scooby-Doo mystery, something that you can't figure out. Mystery in the Bible just means it's been hidden. But the word revelation means it's been shown. So mysteries get revealed uh, in the Bible. So, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. To be specific, and this is, this is the mystery. So now he's telling us, what is this mystery? That the Gentiles, every non-Jewish person, are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given to me according to the working of his power. So we're just going to focus on, there's a lot here, and I'm going to take next week and unpack more of this today. We're just going to do this phrase, that by revelation there is made known to me the mystery. Paul writes an awful lot of the New Testament. Paul was not one of Jesus' original 12 disciples. In fact, Paul, formerly named Saul, does anyone, do you remember what he felt about Christianity and about Jesus and about the disciples originally? He wanted to kill them. When he was going by the name Saul, he went around actually arresting and killing Christians. Persecuting is the word for that. He went around persecuting Christians. So, you know, Paul was not one of the original followers of Jesus, one of the first 12 and one of the first disciples. He was persecuting them. So how did he get all this information? How did this guy who was against Jesus end up writing most of the New Testament or a large portion of the New Testament? It was by revelation. He actually had encounters with Jesus where Jesus showed him things. The first is in Acts chapter 9. This is a famous passage. He's going by the name Saul at this point. Okay, Saul is riding to the, a city of Damascus, which would be in modern-day Syria. He is going there to go arrest some Christians and put them in jail. Okay, He has already overseen the death of like Stephen and other people, and so he's going to Damascus to put some Christians in jail. He's riding a donkey on the road. Okay, Stopping traffic. And all of a sudden, there appears in the sky this bright light. And it knocks him off of the donkey. And he says, 
Uh, actually, out of the light comes a voice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? And the voice says, I am Jesus. And this begins this process of Paul, Saul, changing his name to Paul and becoming known as Paul and being not a persecutor of the church, but actually a, an apostle of the church, a leader in the church. And it doesn't go, it's not this smooth experience. You know, he's actually blinded by that light. And for three or four days, he's blind. And then he goes back, he goes into Damascus and his world is rocked. He's like, well, I was showing up here to persecute Christians and now I'm thinking about being one. And I think it's a man named Ananias, a Christian named Ananias comes and shares the gospel with Paul and Paul gives his life to Christ and he has these, he says they were scales, like scales on his eyes fell off. Jesus actually had to blind Paul to help him see. That's revelation. Jesus actually had to take away his physical sight to give him spiritual sight. So, Finally, he has eyes that see, right? But that's how Paul came to Jesus. Paul didn't come to Jesus by going to a Bible study. Paul didn't come to Jesus uh, because someone initially explained it to him, although there were people that later on that came and explained it to him. It was primarily a revelation of Jesus that he had. Then in 2 Corinthians 12, we read that Paul was caught up to the third heaven. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that Paul actually had some sort of experience. He actually says, I don't even know if I was in my body when it happened. This is 2 Corinthians 12, the first few verses. He goes to the third heaven, and he sees inexpressible things. He says things that I don't even have words to describe. But whatever he saw in heaven, he starts teaching us about in his writings. So like, how does he know so much about heaven? Because he saw it. Just like the apostle John saw it and wrote the book of Revelation, the apostle Paul saw it and wrote some epistles. <clears throat> in uh, in Galatians 1, Paul says this, The gospel which I preach is not according to man. I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to say this carefully, and I hope you understand what I mean. Paul says in Galatians 1, verses 11 through 12, I did not learn the gospel i received the gospel it was given to him I, the best illustration i can think of is he it was downloaded into him it was installed it's not something he went through uh, a long logical rational process of studying and learning it was jesus pulled back the curtain and showed it to him or Jesus, kind of like the man in the coffee, Jesus was like, that's it. And all of a sudden, it clicked. Now, there was still after that learning, there was studying, there was greater understanding that was developed. Paul got it with the other apostles and made sure that he was understanding things correctly. But his initial experience was, this was a revelation. This was Jesus pointing it out and stopping it from being hidden so that he could understand it. This is important for us to understand about Christianity. See, Christianity 
and what's in this book are primarily a revelation from God. Uh, it's beginning to become, it seems to me, more and more frequent that people think that Christianity is a man-made philosophy and not a supernatural revelation. So we put Jesus up there with guys like Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Jesus, as if Jesus was some human philosopher who had interesting ideas about the world. That is not what the Bible teaches about Jesus. Jesus is not another philosopher, okay? Jesus is the revelation of God in the flesh. That makes Christianity different than a philosophy. That makes Christianity different than a man-made religion. It makes Christianity different than a morality or an ethical code or a political perspective. Paul did not come to his conclusions about Jesus through deductive reasoning or logical conclusions. A plus B equals C. He didn't get there through the scientific method. He received it by revelation. Biblical Christianity is God disclosing himself to us, showing himself to us. There is no one who has ever dug so deep in the Bible that they found something like, oh, I found something about God he didn't mean to tell us. Anything they've found, he put there on purpose. He wants to disclose himself. He wants to make himself known. Does that make sense? You understand that? So, uh, Jesus is the complete and perfect revelation of God. If you've ever wondered, what's the Father like? He's like Jesus. I mean, Jesus has said as much. He said, I have come to make the Father known. Anyone that has me has the Father, and those that receive the Father receive me. What is God like? God is like Jesus, because Jesus is God in a body, in the flesh. If, you, if you've ever wondered, as I have, what would God be like if he came to earth and walked around among us? Remember that song, what if God was one of us? That'll be stuck in your head for like a year now. You remember that song? I don't know if you were a Christian when that song came out. I was just like, but he was. And we know what God would be like if he walked around on the earth, because he did. And he was incredibly kind and compassionate and anchored in truth and uncompromising and zealous. You know, which is you know, almost the opposite of American religion, which is unkind, incredibly compromising, no zeal, right? No fire. So we know what God would be like if he walked around the, on the earth because he did walk around on the earth. Hebrews says, we have a high priest, referring to Jesus, who is able to sympathize with all of our passions and temptations, but he was without sin, so Jesus can actually sympathize with you. If you had a bad 2019, Jesus can sympathize with that. If someone betrayed you this year or someone close to you died or something happened, listen, Jesus went through betrayal. Jesus went through separation. Jesus lost loved ones. You know, Jesus got annoying people in his life too. 
had annoying people in his life. He knows what it's all like. Jesus was misunderstood. They thought he was a drunk who was possessed by the devil. So we know what God would be like in the flesh because God was in the flesh. God revealed that to us through Jesus. Why does this matter? Uh, Here's a couple reasons why this matters. Why does it matter that Christianity is a divine revelation rather than a man-made philosophy? Uh, It matters because if this book has a human origin, it's just some other book. It's no different than any writing of any philosopher or any teacher, right? It's no different than anything Einstein wrote. It's no different than anything Abraham Lincoln wrote. But if this is revelation from God, if its origin is divine, not human, then it's authoritative, meaning it's the final measuring stick that we measure everything by. Every thought, every action, every belief is measured by this, if it's divine. If it's a revelation from God, it's authoritative and it's inspired. Okay, I know that people are going to say this to you at some point if they haven't already. People are going to say to you, you believe the Bible? Oh, that book's written by man. Okay, that is correct. It is written by man. It is inspired by God. Okay? Uh, God breathed upon or inspired human authors to write the Bible. So yes, who took a pen, dipped it in ink, and wrote it on paper? Not Jesus, not an angel. Human beings did that. The question is, what were they inspired by? They were inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were not inspired by their own thoughts or their own beliefs. Does that make sense? The question is not who wrote it down. The question is who inspired it. And unlike Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, the Bible was inspired by God. Jesus' uh, teaching is God-breathed. Human teaching is not God-breathed. So if revelation is a real thing, then that means the Bible is authoritative. It also tells us what God is like. God has chosen to reveal himself. Jesus is the complete revelation of God. And we find out what we know about Jesus from this. I mean, Jesus perfectly showed us what God is like. And the only reliable resource we have about Jesus is Scripture. Uh, We have a couple Gospels. We have some references of Jesus in the Old Testament. We have a bunch of epistles in the New Testament. We have an apocalyptic book in Revelation that tells us what Jesus was like. If we're going to know God at all, it's necessary that he reveals himself to us. Now, this idea of revelation, you guys following this so far? Some of you look like, oh, this is the worst day of 2019 yet. I understand that this is a hard one. I've been struggling with it all week myself. Um... This idea of revelation. Let me see if I can bring this all to a point. This concept of revelation, this is how the Bible got started. This is how Christianity got started. Okay? God told people what he's like. They didn't figure it out. He told them. He did it with Adam and Eve. He did it through the Ten Commandments. He did it through 
Psalms and Proverbs. He did it through Jesus. He did it through the book of Revelation. This is the way it works. God shows us what he is like. We don't discover it. He shows it, okay? Now, that, that revelation that Paul had, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call that capital R revelation. It's authoritative, it's reliable, but Paul himself prayed that the church in Ephesus would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which means he didn't want to be the only person that was having revelations from God. He prayed that they would have revelation, that they would have moments where Jesus would point stuff out, where Jesus would pull back the curtain and disclose and reveal things. He wanted them to experience that. So I want to give you some examples of what revelation might look like in our lives. Okay, have you ever read a passage like 10 times and then on the 11th time you see something you never saw before? You have to read something 11 times for that to happen. Okay, if you've ever read the Bible before and totally missed something and then came back and read it again and you're like, whoa, was that there last time? That's That's an example of revelation. It was there right in front of you. The whole time, it didn't change. It's not new. But all of a sudden, God pulls back the curtain. He's like, ah, see that? Today, I want you to know that. Okay? Which is why it's helpful to work your way through the Bible multiple times. Because you do not get something, get the same thing every time. I'm still learning stuff every week that I thought, I kind of thought I had a grasp of this, and I'm finding more and more I have like two-finger grasp of it, you know? So uh, that's an example of revelation. Also, sometimes God will reveal hidden things in people's lives, either hidden pain or hidden sin. You might be in a situation with a person, you're praying with a person, or you're talking to a person, and God says to you, they were assaulted. They haven't told you that. You're not using like psychological tactics to figure that out. God just drops a piece of information in you. That's called a word of knowledge. He might just tell you this person was assaulted or he'll do this other thing where he'll, he'll say, uh, ask them the name Craig. Craig means something to them. Ask them about Craig. That's called a word of knowledge. It's, it's, it seems so random But that's God revealing to you something. Or sometimes God will reveal hidden sin. There'll be a person who is kind of in in hypocrisy, hiding their sin, and God will reveal it to you, or sometimes God will even reveal it publicly so that it can't continue. That's a form of revelation. It could also happen in cases of spiritual warfare. About 10 years ago, my wife and I were having a very difficult month. We were living right next door, and uh, we were just... Everything in the house was breaking. We were having arguments, and we haven't had any arguments since in 10 years. But it was just like, man, this is rough. It was a rough December because it was December of 2008, actually. And we didn't know what was going on. And three nights in a row, I had dreams where God showed me what was going on. It was actually spiritual warfare it wasn't just husband and a wife arguing although that does happen not in my life but in yours probably (laughs) but god showed me in that instance here's the 
attack of the enemy in your life, and it took place in dreams three nights in a row. I don't know if that's how dense I am, that I had to hear it three times in a row, but after that, I changed my approach. I just had an incredible, life-changing conversation with a friend of mine. I'm not going to get too deep into this. Something I've been angry about for five years. I paid a therapist $600 to help me. And they couldn't, although I'm not against therapy. This friend called me out of the blue and said, I had this dream Tell me if it means anything. And in 30 minutes, what they shared with me from that dream totally resolved and melted away something I've been angry about for five years. And that's revelation. You know, and I still need to send that guy a check. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, but uh, God reveals things still to this day. Paul wanted the church in Ephesus to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, here's the difference between capital R revelation and lowercase r revelation. Capital revelation is in scripture. Capital R revelation is in scripture. It's the standard, it's the measuring stick. Nothing can contradict this. So when you get those dreams or impressions or pictures, you have to measure them by this. They cannot contradict this if they're from God. You understand? So God's not going to tell you to steal from your neighbor. That's the obvious one, right? God's not going to tell you to lie and cheat and steal, right? You guys are laughing, but people do that sometimes. I'm going to give you an example. Just to, We're going to make things exciting. Every year, my wife and I go to Ohio on vacation because we love exotic Ohio. We have family that lives there. In their town is this church. They have this sign out front. If, now, if you don't know what this sign is communicating, I'll explain it. It's got the LGBTQ rainbow on it. And it's got the phrase, God is still speaking with a comma. This is a campaign that United Church of Christ has adopted. And what they're trying to communicate with this sign is that when it comes to the issue of homosexuality, God is still speaking. That's, the, that's what they're trying to communicate here, that, that the, uh, the jury is not only still out, but that they're affirming. They're open and affirming of that lifestyle. Every time that I drive past this, I say out loud in the car, God may be still speaking, but he is not contradicting himself. He is not saying something that contradicts what he's already said in scripture do you understand what i'm saying uh i do believe god still speaks i just don't believe god contradicts himself and since i can find half a dozen places in the bible that make his position on this particular situation very clear i don't think that he's contradicting himself so the reason i put that up there is because we all think it's funny, you know, oh yeah, of course God would never tell you to lie or cheat and steal, ha ha ha, that is funny. But when you try to communicate that God has told me something that contradicts what's in here, you set yourself up to be a false prophet. And, you know, the Bible's very clear about how to 
uh, deal with people who claim to speak in the name of God, but are not speaking truly for God. So we want to make sure that every, every time we believe God is speaking, and I do believe God still speaks, we want to make sure that we are measuring it by what has already been spoken. Does that make sense? Okay, great. That's important for us to understand. We test everything, every lowercase r revelation that we believe, believe we receive, we test by capital R revelation in Scripture and in the character of Jesus. So, how do we receive revelation? If, if Paul wants us to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and Paul receive revelation, how do we receive revelation? You don't get it through trying harder. I know that. I don't know if you've ever done this thing when you're praying. You're like, Lord, I really need to know what's your will with this thing. And then you're like, you're trying really hard to hear. Like, Lord, I need to know what's up. And I got like five minutes. That like, why are you laughing so hard, Justin? This is not a joke to me. It is. Uh, Listen, uh, God does not respond to our own personal striving. You know, like the veins popping in your neck, the anxiety, that doesn't move him. Um, Here's how you receive revelation, through resting, through trusting. If God's part is to reveal then our part is to receive. Not strive, not earn, not grind, okay? Those are all good, work, good words for you to take to the workplace. But when it comes to your devotional life with Jesus, it's, it's receiving, it's resting, and it's trusting. That's why, I don't know if it's like this for you, it's like this for me. When I do, Lord, I need to hear you, that never works you know where god speaks to me all the time in the shower when i'm like trying to get this thing clean and i'm not or in the car you're like god speaks to me when i'm not even trying to listen it's i think it's his way of just keeping us humble you know i think that's why god spoke to people in the bible he spoke to so many people through dreams You know, they go to sleep and God speaks to them a dream because they can't wake up and be like, ha, I earned that. He's like, you were asleep. I had to shut you down in order for you to hear me. Just like he had to blind Paul in order for Paul to see Jesus, he has to shut us down sometimes. He's like, listen, (laughs) stop trying so hard because you're going to take the credit if this works. So receive revelation. We do it by trusting Jesus, not trying to grind out and manipulate Jesus. Um, The other way that we respond to this is understand that when you came to Jesus, you only came to Jesus because he revealed himself to you. Which means as you're sharing Jesus with other people, one of the best things you can be praying is that God would reveal himself to them that God would work in their heart in advance so that you're not trying to cram anything down anyone's throat. The illustration for evangelism in the Bible that comes the clearest to me is one of like sowing seed and harvesting, picking fruit. Um, 
I have a grapevine over by the uh, over here on our church property, and I know when a grape is ready. I know when a grape is ripe when I barely have to pull on it. Like all I have to do is shake it and they fall off in my hand. If I have to yank on a grape or yank on a piece of fruit or yank on an apple, that means it's not ripe yet. You understand? When you're sharing the gospel with people and you have to yank, they're not ready yet. So water, if it's not ready to be harvested, it's ready to be watered, right? So if I'm trying to pick those grapes off the grapevine and they're not coming, I should stop that and instead keep watering it until it is ready, right? So when you're sharing the gospel with people, one of the ways you water the seed of the gospel is by praying, Jesus, reveal yourself to this person. Whatever we know about God, we know because he's revealed it and we've received it. I do believe, obviously, in study. I believe in uh, putting in effort. Um, I just don't believe that you earn it. I be- you put in effort, but you don't earn it. Uh, you know, if someone showed up today with a briefcase full of a, a million dollars and they said, hey, if you can pick this up, it's yours, I'm going to put in the effort, but that doesn't mean I earned a million dollars. You understand? But I'm still going to pick it up. Okay. But I can't go around and say, I worked hard for this million dollars. I have to say, I don't know who this person was and why they dropped it to my lap. All I had to do was bend over and pick it up. I put in effort, but I did not earn it. So when we do our studying, when we put in our effort, let's make sure that we are receiving, not trying to earn. Okay? I mean, let's make sure that we're cracking our Bibles open in 2020 every day. Let's make sure that we're reading systematically. Let's make sure that we're journaling and studying and, and doing those things. But when we're doing it, let's make sure that our attitude is not, I'm going to force God to speak to me, but rather our attitude is, I am receiving. I'm waiting, Lord, for anything that you're going to say to me. And one of the best things that you can do to make sure that your heart is not dull is to... Be committed to obeying anything he says. You know, whenever he, Lord, not only speak to me, but when you speak, I'm going to obey. That comes back to this dullness of heart thing. You know, ears that cannot hear and eyes that cannot say, see are the result of a dull heart. You want to know how a heart gets dulled? When you find all of your pleasure in things other than God. When you find your pleasure in binge-watching shows on Netflix... Nothing wrong with that, but if you find your pleasure in it, your heart's going to get dull. When you find your pleasure in food, when you find your pleasure in sex, when you find your pleasure in other things, your heart begins to get dull. Have you ever felt a dull heart? I've had times in my life where my heart has felt pretty dull, just kind of, ugh. You probably think it's every day for me. It's not every day. But your, your heart can feel dull, just kind of, like, it's like there's a callus around it. It's like it's got earmuffs on, you know? And it just, it's not fully awake. So here's how I want to pray for us, and I'm going to have the worship team come up and lead us. I'm just going to pray that God gives us fully awake hearts. The way that a heart becomes fully awake is when it's not divided. When it's all integrated together. So if you wouldn't mind standing with me, I want to pray for us, and the worship team is going to lead us in worship. Jesus the, the entire gospel and scripture is not originate with man, but it originates with you. 
It's revealed to us. And you want us to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We want to have eyes that see and we want to have ears that hear. So wake our hearts up, God. Where our hearts are dull, give us uh, awakening. Where our hearts are dry, would you massage them? Would you, would you stir our hearts up to love you and to trust you? We bless you, Jesus, because you're the one that gives us new hearts. You take a heart of stone and you make it a heart of flesh. You take an old creation and make it a new creation. So Lord, uh, I pray that you would begin the supernatural work of softening our hearts. Do not let us remain dull, Lord. It, the holidays in between Christmas and New Year's are a very dulling time for us, Jesus. Would you awaken us, and I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.